am Jennifer Isabella. And I'm Keith Johnston. Your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the latest market dynamics impacting executives and their customers. Today, we're joined by Principal Analyst Fiona Mark and VP and Principal Analyst Bobby Cameron to discuss the business drivers behind a future fit technology strategy. Welcome both. Great to be here. Thanks. Looking forward to the conversation. So I'm not going to guess how many times we say future fit technology strategy at Forrester, but it's quite a lot. However, for our listeners, let's start by defining what a future fit technology strategy is, and then we can go from there. Thanks. And and let me take that take that first and and I, I find it very helpful when talking about this to be real crisp of where we came up with the language and why we were doing research on what behavior the tech organizations are exhibiting for really customer obsessed firms those who are putting the customer at the center who are uh, are uh, driving business to respond to customers needs and expectations and generating success in the customers and we were looking very deeply into what's that leading edge doing. So that, that's the origin of the research. And as we dug into it, we came up with some very crisp uh, differentiations around the ability to change of an organization to change quickly. And that's heavily dependent upon the tech organizations enabling that change. So as we built it out, and, and this took, this took uh, actually quite a few months of, of work, as we built it out, we came up with a definition that looks at the approach to uh, using technology, and it's customer-obsessed, that enables the company to quickly reconfigure business structures and capabilities, to change quickly, to meet future customer employee needs. And we came up with three elements that support that, adaptivity, creativity, and resilience. So that's the, that's the definition. It's about being the, the customer obsessed at the it says the tip of the arrow and organizations being able to change quickly everything about the organization and the tech strategy to enable that and it's characterized by being adaptive, creative and resilient. So Bobby, customer obsession is a really important business orientation for Forrester and all of our clients. How does customer obsession specifically drive this future fit technology strategy? The high performing firms, the the top 8% in our 2021 research of firms are fully customer obsessed. They're growing two and a half times the industry average. They're doing something special. And so as we go then and look at what's special, there, there really are three areas in which the, the technology serves. The first is in enabling predictive analytics to study what it is that's changing, what what the emerging customer needs and expectations are, the emerging markets. The second is to enable rapid change of business processes and activities that are powered by technology. So it's a flexible tech stack. Um, And the third is to help the organization change quickly. So uh, training, supporting partnerships as they enable different ways to source flexible capabilities, adaptive capabilities. So uh, uh, support for predictive analytics, flexible tech base, and support for uh, flexible org structures and and, uh, partnerships. Great. And so um, we've designed an entire service around future fit technology. Um, dedicated to the CIO, CTO, other tech leaders. Um, It contains seven priorities. Um, We're going to focus on 
two today. I think you made a clear case for the one that you feature, which is you know dr- you know driving the business case for technology. But the second one, uh, Fiona, which is in your remit, tell us about the second priority. So we focus on delivering a high-performing organization. And that priority is all about, well, if we have customer obsession, if we have customers as our central operating point, how do we create an organization that's constantly focused on, on delivering value to those organizations? How do we put in place the, the capabilities that's needed to, to really to deliver that value? What structure, what governance, what leadership do we need? And how do we enable organizations to identify where they are right now, where they are in terms of maturity on their high performance journey? Yeah, and so so what's different? So we're really about this new evolution of a high-performing IT uh, organization. Um, there's all kinds of you know organizational models. What's different about ours? Great question. So what's different about ours is the first thing that we do is we put the customer at the very center. We ask ourselves, or we ask our, our organization, think about, okay, who is your customer and how are you going to deliver value to them? We do this before we get into any element of people, process, technology, the places where so many other organizations or operating models focus on. And we do this because we understand that customer obsession and the tenets of customer obsession are what really differentiates the you know organizations in terms of you know, Bobby alluded to that 2.5 um, times performance. We're really, we understand that those tenants of customer obsession are where you really need to start from. So understand your customer, understand the value proposition that you have, and then and, and then taking that sort of that approach to build out what other parts of your operating model. But the other things that are important about uh, that that are differentiating or different about our model is that we really understand that each organization is unique. There's not one single best operating model out there. There's not one frame single framework or template that you can just that you can give to an organization. Each organization is going to have different customer pressure, different operating, di- different market pressure, different types of people, different mix of par- parts partner ecosystem. And so what we do is by taking that very customized, that very um, deliberate approach to actually designing the operating model that's unique to that organizational need, that allows our, you know, using this framework to get to that operating model that's going to deliver high performance in that unique situation. And Keith, I think there's a there's a, um, a, a an additional very important factor here, which is how all of those characteristics of the operating model Fiona laid out are linked to that uh, customer obsessed behavior and the value, the customer value outside in that with those four principles, customer led insights, driven fast and connected, those principles play out across the organization. So I would say there's another piece we add in is that our operating model is not theoretical. We build it out based on looking at how companies actually operationalize it. And, and it's not static. Uh, that's, a, that's a critical piece. There's not the right organization to achieve and now you're done. Um, it's, it's constantly changing based on those emerging customer needs and expectations. Bobby, when you defined the future fit strategy, it struck me you had noted meet future customer and employee needs. So Fiona, I'm, I'm curious, because obviously you're talking about orienting around the customer. How does that employee piece also play here. Employees are your customers as well. 
you know, you have to think about employee experience as being a core principle in your operating model. We know that there's a, re a strong relationship between, you know, customer experience and employee experience. So when designing that operating model, having that employee experience at the center of it, building the operating model that allows your employees not just to be doing work, but to be like to be empowered in their work, to be able to have the right people making decisions about their about their work, to to ensure that they're that you're using automation to improve the value of the work that they can do. Those are all core principles of thinking about how do you get the most out of your employees, but also how do you design your operating model around that so that you have that so that you're con you're driving towards that elevated employee experience. I want to add a, a bit of perspective in there too. The notion is important for our listeners to understand. The notion isn't that everybody is in the same boat. Every company is in the same boat. Fiona said this clearly. I want to emphasize it. There's customer obsession is a target for companies. Only 8% are in that 2.5 times industry average revenue growth. Um, they, the rest of us are busily working to get there. And we're, some of us are very early stages, not even sure who our customer is. Some of us are committed to customer obsession and doing a good job, but still not quite there. And so when we look at this, who your customer is, it will change that who it's perceived to be will change as the companies move along. So government, for instance, a lot of government customers, the employees are very critical customers of the tech organization there. Um, and, and so are other agencies. The citizen arises only in a few cases, uh, to, to be real clear, in most of those organizations today. Get to the very mature companies out there, someone like a... Um, Vistaprint or a, a, a higher, the Chinese white goods company. Those companies have a, a, a full spectrum of customers, partners, employees, as well as the ultimate value recipient. Bobby, this is really interesting because this is a mindset shift. This is an organizational shift. I mean, this is just a new motion uh, for the traditional IT organization. We're also talking about uh, the IT organization um, you know, really focusing on the customers, not only the customers that consume their products and services, but also employees as customers. But when it comes down to it, I think we're talking about investing differently and making different kinds of business decisions, moving from efficiency to uh, effectiveness. Um, talk about that a little bit, bring a little bit more clarity what we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there are two perspectives I wanted to lay out. One is exactly what you, you, you pointed out. The, the importance of cost doesn't go away, um, but the, the focus is on value creation as, as companies mature, become more customer obsessed. And the second one is that cost doesn't go away. So the high performing companies are actually well run. And let me just tackle that one right off the bat. The most mature companies prioritize cost containment cost reduction higher on a scale of one to five than do the earlier stage companies who are uh, uh, self-declared as cost focused, but they just don't prioritize it as high. They're too busy doing uh, other things, trying to stay alive, trying to keep the company running. So cost doesn't go away. A lot of companies get lost in this. But let's go back to the first point where the focus shifts to the value created at effective cost and time, but the value becomes core. And that is an, an important uplift. As companies become more customer obsessed and come, become aware of what that is and committed to putting the customer at the center and making the customer successful, at that point, there's a, a, a significant shift in what the tech exec does. 
They move from being an order taker and a utility that's constantly uh, uh, trying to deliver a request at a, at a low cost, high quality, but low cost. They move from there to being a partner in delivering value. And that, that partner's value delivery then uh, creates the flexibility. So the organization effectively flattens out. And what we see happening is that the tech exec, along with the marketing, sales, uh, manufacturing, distribution, or whoever the operations parts are, they all are working together to build the value delivery across employees, across partners, reaching connected out to the ultimate customer. And that end-to-end characteristic would not work in an organization that's just trying to keep the cost down. They have to be focused on value. That allows them to work in parallel. Partners, employees, building value to deliver the ultimate customer. So this is radical, Bobby. But, you know, the question I want to ask you, Fiona, is that if we're going to orient the tech leader closer to the business, closer to the customer, close to the employee, how do we organize for that? Because you're talking about a high performing, uh, you know, organizational model. I don't quite understand how that you oriented to meet those three needs that aren't the needs of every IT organization. Right. And the, the nice thing about our operating model is it understands that there are different needs across the organization. So there might be a, a mode that you need to have your organization very tightly integrated with business units and so that you can deliver quickly, so you can personalize services, so that you can adapt very quickly to market demands. But there might be other parts of your organization that have a lot of stability, that where cost or, um, or, or there's very little change are the biggest drivers in those parts. And so what we try to do is with our, with our operating model is actually understand these different types of or different modes of operation and then create and, and, and enable the organization to be able to, to, to flex and use those by having different team structures, using different interaction models, thinking about different governance models in different parts of the organization that allows you to create that agility where you need to, but also create stability and, and efficiency where, where that's also most beneficial. So it's really, it goes back to that original point. If you've got to design your operating model for those different needs across the organization and then think about those core wrappers of governance and leadership that really tie it all together. And Keith, I think that it's important to recognize that the linkage between the value statement and the the pieces that Fiona's talking about that hit some basic uh, real core IT practices. And that's looking at things like uh, strategic planning and building out a roadmap, uh, uh, using business capability maps to, to identify what has to change to support a, 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 a key objective, um, value stream management, business uh, case development, all of these activities that are core of, are, are having to integrate value as their North Star, if you will, as the way to help them, the organization, the tech organization, navigate these business changes. And so the operating model itself addresses the way to operationalize those changes in how we identify value, tie it to strategy, key objectives, implement it in, in initiative planning, et cetera, in order to move forward. So it's the, 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 the work we've done in, in the uh, tech exec service is to integrate those into a common model so that people can understand how to make technology value understandable, communicate it effectively, effectively and demonstrate success at it through 
shifting the operating model based on, on customer demand. And that's the technology value uh, loop practice that you define in the research, right? That's ex exactly right. Exactly right. And it drills down from the, 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 the top of the loop, which is plan, execute, communicate, and govern. Those are the four elements at that level, all the way down then to these, these uh, more detailed uh, practices that develop and apply the, the, the value. And that goes back then to the operating model at that level. I've got to shift the operating model to make those things work. And so you have been talking about shifting, and I feel like changing your operating model is a really big change. Is this an iterative process? Like, how do you further lean into this as your mode of existing, really? It, it, it does. It, firstly, I mean, many organizations go through operating model transformations. The majority of them do not achieve the results. Yeah, I think it's for only 42% achieve the results that they actually wanted. And a, and, and a lot of that comes down to that idea of either selecting or trying to make that wholesale. But you've actually got to make this as a constant iterative operating model change. In fact, your operating model is always in some ways going to be evolving because customer need, customer demand is, is changing so quickly and technology is changing so quickly. So the mindset of having a set stack or a set operating model, it, it really to be left behind. Instead, you've got to think about how am I constantly iterating and improving on that? And how am I using insights to inform that? So you got to be thinking about this in terms of taking a data-driven approach to where am I, you know, what capabilities do I have? Where, you know, wh where, how can I use my, um, how can I deliver my capabilities? Thinking about definition of work, where do I bring in automation? How do I bring in my partners? And those are, you know, those are great questions to keep asking, but then also re-asking because thinking, you know, going back to my example, example of you might have a very, you know, you might have a service that's highly personalized, rapid change. That might be high, you know, a differentiating service this year. In two years, that service might be something that everybody is offering and it's a commodity. And so the changes of that, you know, that service goes through a life cycle. And so thinking about that, that enables you to keep your operating model fresh, but it also keeps thinking about where is my customer and how am I transferring value? Keeping those central and always going back to those fundamental questions will enable you to keep thinking about that iterative approach. And it's important, I think, to, in, in, to, to catch that constant change, the significance of that on the culture of the IT organization, actually the whole, the whole corporation. And org change management is actually a key element in the, the transformation of the operating model. And, and we, we've got work going on by Chris Gilchrist now looking at how governance, which has traditionally been linked into policies and, and compliance and risk and those sort of metrics, those sorts of things, how that's expanding to include org change management, dealing with the people changes and this, the, the need to keep, uh, keep the change constant in order to, and, and adaptive in order to make this, this whole uh, customer obsessed model work for the tech tech organization. Bobby, I'm so glad you said culture. It's something that we want to really broad as a, as a differentiator. We think about culture in the operating model. When we think about leadership, we think about vision, we think about strategy, but we do think, what is the culture of my operate of, of my organization and wh and what, where is it now? And is it where I need it to be? And so thinking about that, taking a really active role in how does your culture actually in, in like impact your organization and, and how does it, uh, drive high performance is actually really important. Let's lean into, you mentioned leadership. Let's lean into that a little bit. Because mm -hmm. um, one of the challenges, you know, I know our audience is listening and it's like, 
this is a lot of stuff. These are great concepts. You can't do it all at once. It has to really start with a great leader. So what kind of leader do you need to put in place to execute some of this vision of the future fit technology? The great leaders for a tech organization, obviously you've got to be able to, as Bobby said, really deliver or, or create strategy that's really well aligned to the business to the business side of it. Really understand that value that that value transformation, how to get there. But there's also that element of being able to to, to inspire change and and to be able to bring on their 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 organization through what can be as you know we talked about change, what can be very challenging to, you know, to, to go through those transitions. So being able to be that change leader, to be able to inspire, to coach, to, to bring leadership up through the organization. Um, and to also the, the point of around inspiring trust as well. So you've got to be able to, your organization needs to be able to trust you, but your peers need to be able to trust you too. You need to have great relationships, not going just through the IT organization, but really to mature a, an IT organization, you're moving in towards that partnership across the organization. So who are your peers and what's, you know, What's your relationship with them and how are you developing trust? How are you creating um, excellent experiences for, you know, with your leadership across there as well? And, and let's put that um, maturity lens on leadership as well, because that's critical. And I mentioned the shift in the more traditional tech role of the leader or, or the tech organization as being a supplier or utility. Um, and as the, the, or the business shifts to being customer committed, really focused on becoming customer obsessed, then that role for tech shifts to a partnership role. Well, a, an IT exec who's driving a, the traditional model and, and cost conscious and being a order taker has to do a lot of growing to become a partner and truly have a, the seat at the table, that, that old expression, truly sit with their business other business colleagues and work through what's got to change in the entire value stream to become competitive. And then to really be customer obsessed, that tech exec's got to change again in order to have real shared accountability and work in parallel with partners and inside the business and partners outside the business and, and working with customers. The whole model depends on shared accountability for, for the business results. That's the value stream becomes real critical at that point. So the tech exec's got to, the leadership role changes as the business model shifts tech execs got to move along with that shift in business model. So that brings me to a great point, which kind of bonds your two priorities together. Bobby, you're focusing on making the business case, uh, you know, for technology, Fiona, you're bringing a, an innovative operating model. How do you incentivize uh, and link together the business case with, uh, you know, making the case for change in the operating model? The core there is the shift to value, and, and we've talked about shifting from cost base being a, being real efficient to being effective, so delivering value at an optimum time and cost. That shift is really what motivates the, 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 the change in the organization, defines uh, what it measures itself against. It shifts from just, a, uh, you know, the, the budget, am I, am I on budget, on scope, on cost, the class, that classic conundrum. 
moves that into, are we meeting our business objectives and goals? Are we hitting the value delivery expectations? So uh, objectives and key results emerges as the driver, the motivator. So it shifts from running my organization cost effectively to being a part of the organization at, that's creating and delivering this value. This is like an incredibly compelling argument for people to make this leap, right? The value the elevated position within the organization, having that proverbial seat at the table. But how do leaders make this change? What What is, you know, it's a big leap. How do they do this? And what does success look like along the way? How do they know that they're doing this well too? Well, let me let me lay the value proposition change out, and that and Fiona will build out the operating model on top of that. The value change comes in being able to track resources against uh, results in such a way that it's uh, able to demonstrate uh, the tech exec's able to demonstrate value delivered to the various constituents: the customer, employee, um, the customer as a partner, and the customer as uh, the ultimate value recipient. And to do that, their core processes, typically it begins with, with portfolio management, shifting that to be strategic, not running projects alone, but driving to business value, looking at the whole portfolio of tech activity in the context of what the overall corporation's driving. And that becomes then the basis for strategic planning and building out a, a roadmap. So those then also need to be based in that business change because it's all about the business change and having business capabilities is the way to communicate and talk. So we're not talking my CRM app or my, uh, you know, uh, ERP app, but we're talking about achieving business goals and objectives. And as we build out those capabilities that gives us through the portfolio visibility, the ability to manage the resources against the demand and the ability to communicate based on all of that. So it's the planning, the execution and the communication. And of course, governance is how you keep the portfolio in, 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 in tow. So Margot Visitation leads all our portfolio management work. A lot of her work is core to this for our customers to help them figure out where they are in their growth and how to, to use the portfolio and these other characteristics to build out the the, uh, the the value proposition tied to uh, IT initiatives and, and ongoing operations. Yeah. And from an operating model perspective, so much of this, you know, we talked earlier about being adaptive and so much of this is around how do you um, make sure that your operating model is delivering value and comes back to create, do, you know, creating agility within the operating model. So, you know, where Bobby talked about capabilities and, and understanding your capability map in order to, you know, for, to create value from there, you start to think about how do I, how's my operating model structured and, and are my teams, you know, you talk about like, you know, are my teams delivering what, what they should be? Do I have the right mechanism in place to actually define the work that I've got? So what should I keep? What should I stop doing? What should I outsource? And, what, and therefore, what, you know, when I want to keep it, how do I build and create those capabilities through effective talent management? So, you're always, so you, start thinking, you, know, you start thinking about actually what is the work I need to do versus what is the work I should be sending to partners and what is the work I should be automating in order for us to be able to create a more effective organization. And, and you know, once, once you start thinking about that definition of work and those teams that you need to put in place and how do they interact with each other, really thinking that starts to create that agility and also that that 
closer connection to the customer as you think, as you do things such as um, create cross-functional teams, you know, really integrating with the business there, therefore reducing that friction between um, IT and the business because of that shared accountability at that at that organizational and team level. And then you think about how do you go from a, a very command and control or, or very, uh, or very, uh, uh, very structured governance approach to a governance approach that continues to keep that adequate, you know, the, the right level of control in the right place, but it starts to empower people to make decisions if those are the right people who are making the decisions for the work that needs to be done. So really, and that starts to create much more agility and empowerment and it also creates, uh, it, it creates better, closer decisions being done at the right place. So those are some of the key things that, that you know, leaders start to think about when they're trying to move through that that journey from being in a sort of more um, traditional sense of delivering IT to really getting to shared accountability and integration. That's great. So, uh, Bobby, we've been studying customer obsession for quite a few years now, all the way back to 2016. We're kindly we're finally in this moment where we've identified that the future fit technology, uh, you know, the firms that have future fit technology in place are customer obsessed. What are some of those great examples out there that, you know, demonstrate this? Uh, a, a very gnarly question there, Keith. <laughs> and the, the, the reason this gnarly is very few firms make that transition as an entire firm. And I mentioned earlier um, two, of the, two of the stellar ones, the uh, hire the Chinese white good company that has a radically different uh, uh, org structure. And, and I won't go into it because it'll, it'll take another half hour. Uh, but we have a wonderful case study when it wants to look at them up, H-A-I-E-R. Uh, and, and the second one being Vistaprint. Most of the time, the performance, and it's what we measure in our research that 2.5 times industry average is, a, is a, an operating entity within a company. And, and, and what I mean by that is you look at Nestle, look at Nestle Waters, it runs as a commodity business. Look at Nestle's Nespresso, that runs as a boutique with high customer touch and, 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 and uh, engagement to radically different businesses. And therefore, it's, uh, it's highly uh, uh, likely that they don't both move at the same pace to becoming customer obsessed. Now, let me answer your question then. You start looking at people uh, who, who've been customer-driven, like, like uh, Procter & Gamble, customer-driven for a very long time. And they have done things like divest. This is, this is work they've been doing for 15 or 20 years. It's not a just add water, but they've divested parts of the business. So Accenture runs all of accounting, uh, not, not the technology. They run the function. IBM runs the function of HR. Um, Jones Long LaSalle runs the function of real estate. Why? They remove that into partners who are very good at running those things, specialists, and therefore Procter & Gamble can specialize on the customer. And th that's what they're really good at. They're a product marketing company. And they want to understand the customer's needs and expectations and respond quickly. So they've been building out innovation and new ways to deliver new products and services. And, and, and the, the adaptivity required to do that differently in different geographies, so different fragrances, different packaging, et cetera. So that's the kind of work um, that, we, that, that we see emerging. You can also see it in specific business operations. Look at someone like a MasterCard who looked at their core business operations, which was uh, focused on 
the card and processing, and they developed really good fraud detection. And then someone said, well, that's an adjacency we can go pursue. And their technology was flexible enough and adaptive enough to pick that up just at the time when um, fraud management, because of the internet and, and all that explosive digital uh, uh, vulnerability that's there, the cyber uh, security issues that, that were exploding, so MasterCard has stepped very quickly into becoming a fraud management company, helping teach companies and support them in their move to being better at fraud. Those are great examples, Bobby, because you laid out very different organizational models, not necessarily business models, but organizational models that actually matched the individual businesses. Even in the case of Nestle, two different organizational models, two part, different partner structures that match the right business or business unit in that case. Fiona, is there any other uh, brands or companies out there that we actually saw them make the transition or just other organizational models you'd love to feature? Yeah, Lloyd's Banking Group have done a really interesting job around organizing around customer journeys. So they, they've they really transitioned from sort of a, a model that was quite sort of group or, or corporate orientated and actually created 16 or so individual customer journeys, each of which has acts as its own organizational unit and, and it has it manages its own PL, it has its own it has dedicated resources, but those are cross-functional, cross-capability resources that come from all different types of all different sort of functions of the business. So you have product marketing, compliance, technology, all working aligned against those against those customer journeys. And that's been really successful because it's, you know, we we uh, talked at the start about the importance of placing the customer at the center of the journey. They took that very, very customer-centric approach. Then they took that cross-functional and um, those cross-functional teams that created agility and their ability to deliver. And they also adapted how they use how they use governance. And you know, I, I talked about sort of the funding model of it. So they they've done that in order to to create agility and create more customer centricity in how they deliver product and how they deliver their offerings. And I'd have a, add just a, I, I love this maturity point of view. Um, we're talking here about the, 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 the high end, the, the more mature, those who are becoming cu customer obsessed, a small number, as you pointed out, Keith, if we go back to the, 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 co the core, which globally across sector is at, at 59% of organizations are either customer naive, don't know who their customer is, customer aware, they're just learning about the customer or customer engaged, they, they want to become uh, join the path to customer obsession, but just not really, not really able to to make things happen. That fifty nine percent is also moving in this direction, and and so they they are doing some simple. I, the tech execs are doing some simple things like consolidation and modernization of their tech stacks, uh, reducing the complexity of things, moving to agile. Uh, starting to learn about cloud, building up on platforms, working on uh, spanning internal organizations and external organizations. All of those are core steps that are going on and the restructuring of the operating model associated with them to get ready to really then kick into, that's the traditional approach, kick into that modern approach, which brings us in to the uh, customer committed, those who are truly on the, the, the train now, on the path, to customer obsession. Bobby, Fiona, thank you so much. This is a really great conversation. I look forward to getting more of this research. Uh, these are only two of the seven priorities. There's so much more to talk about here, but uh, you know, future fit technology 
uh, sounds like the way to go. Um, thank you, Bobby. Thank you, Fiona. Oh, you're most welcome. Of course. Enjoyed it. Thank you both. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.